Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Friday morning, my brother-in-law, Wade, got up out of bed, and he'd been battling cancer uh, for quite some time. He had lung cancer, and... He got up Friday, numbers are great, oxygen level's good. His wife turned to him and said, uh, I'm going to go out and just mow the lawn. He said, well, I'm going to watch you to make sure you do it right. And uh, when she came back in, he said he was struggling with breathing. And so they took him to the hospital and, and uh, he went home to be with Jesus on Friday night. I know that's a terrible thing. He's home with Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it. Isn't it sad how we look at things? Just be honest. The first thing we do is we think of us. Oh, he's home with the Lord, people. I don't know about you, okay? But what I want you to hear is, I know I want to keep saying this because some of you are going, well, I don't agree with that. I'm just going to tell you uh, I'm okay with that. But do me a favor. Don't play the immature game. Pick up your toys and go somewhere else. Let's open up the Word of God and remember what it's all about and look at it and learn from each other because that's what we're called to do. And I'm going to continue to keep saying that. That's the body of Christ. But my Bible says our greatest hope, Paul said it, to be absent in the body and home with the Lord is the greatest miracle God will ever do in your life. To me, it's this. If he didn't know Jesus, we ought to go, oh. And it shouldn't be for just him. It should be for all of them around him who never told him about Jesus. See, Wade knew the Lord. Love Jesus. In fact, the last time I saw him was at Thanksgiving, and uh, we talked about it, and he just said, uh, you know, I, I just get up every day knowing I'm healed. And I said, wait, tell me about that a little bit. He says, Jesus got this. If, I, if he takes the cancer away, I'm going to be around a little bit longer, and I'm going to die. I win. And if I die from cancer, I win. <laughs> and so I'm healed. That's just the way I get up every day. And he loved the Lord. But I want you to listen to this. He was one of those that um, was really blessed in a moment, but it's how he was blessed and how he embraced it. So Friday, they're at the hospital and his wife is with him and his youngest son. And they're in the room. And uh, here's how he went. He looked at his wife and he said, I'd really like a kiss and a hug. So she kissed him and hugged him. He looked at his son and said, can you give me a hug, son? And they hugged. He closed his eyes and went home. If the one sitting next to you doesn't wake up tomorrow morning, what will be the last memory they have or you have? Because I sometimes still don't think we get it. Because every one of us today, if we're not careful, think we're going to be around tomorrow. And the Bible says that's foolishness. You don't know the day or the hour. And yet we take it so much for granted, don't we? And like that. And I, my wife and I have been talking about it for the last 48 hours and the things that we've been sharing is this. We don't get to do it again with Wade. That's it. This side of heaven. And if you have family right now that don't know Jesus, I think it's a tragedy that you know him and yet you won't tell them. I don't call that love. 
Love says, I'm going to give you the greatest gift that you can ever have, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to be this side of heaven, folks. There's nothing more important than that. Nothing more important than that. Amen? So this week we're going to travel and we're going to wrap around some family and there'll be tears because we miss them. We have tears. But we're also going to celebrate because Wade's home with Jesus. He knew the Lord. He loved the Lord. Boy, he loved the Lord. Called his pastor up and I said, Alvin, I said, just want to tell you, uh, Karen would like me to be a part of uh, the service, whatever that is. I just want you to know I'm available. And, and uh, I thanked him and I love what he said. First words came out, he says, man. Wade and Karen, they're just wonderful people, aren't they? I said, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. And so uh, if that isn't you, I hope today it's going to be a game changer and you can know Jesus because that's the only thing that matters. Not church, but Jesus Christ. Amen. I also want to tell you two weeks from this weekend, I want this place packed. I know it's summer. I don't get that anyway. It's like, you know, hey, you know, it's summertime, so Jesus will see you in the fall. I mean, I, I don't get that. I just don't get it. Um, because the Sabbath matters to God. And I want to thank you that you're here right now because God gave us six days to screw up our lives. But he said, the seventh is mine. And you need the church. You need to come in. You need the brothers. You need the sisters. But more importantly, we need to get away from the world and come and lift up the name of Jesus in his house. And so I'm glad that you're here. But I really want it packed because in two weeks, my pastor, when I'm in Florida on vacation, because many of you know that's where we go, uh, I can't wait for you to meet Pastor Dave and his wife, Gina. I'm so excited. They're flying in Thursday morning and we're going to take them out to the Black Hills. They've not seen Mount Rushmore and we're going to show them a little bit of cool South Dakota. And uh, uh, hopefully it is kind of cool. I hope it is because he's in the summer heat of Florida. But uh, I, I'm so glad. I just want you to meet him. So there's two reasons. Not only do I want you to meet him, I want him to meet you. So I really want this place. I just really want to love on him. And I'm so grateful they're going to be here. And then you probably noticed when you're coming in, there was a couple cars out there with some dents on them and uh, some numbers. And I, I just think it's so cool. Some of you met the, the Haugens and and uh, I'm just so grateful for Matt and Joni. Just put your hands up there, you two right there. <laughs> Joni's thrilled, okay? Okay, um, so why don't you go ahead and stand? I'm just kidding, Joni. Anyway, um, but uh, I, just, I just love that, that they're two little boys. I just went this past week uh, on a Saturday and watched the boys race. And little Caleb, right, um, went up a class. And first time in there, and the boys went one and two. I don't know if you understand that. Those little cars are going like in a circle. It's like, it's like a donut. And uh, it's like the size of a Cheerio. And they're, they're going for like 55 miles an hour. And some of the kids that are doing it out there are like five, six, seven years old, right? It's crazy. You know, and, and Caleb wins his heat. I'm in, the, I'm in the stands. Caleb wins his heat. First time he wins his heat, he goes by me, looks up in the stands and goes, like this. I, said, I don't know what he was doing on his face because he had a helmet on, but I'm assuming that. You know, it was just like, cool. I was like, yeah, go me. That was for me, everybody. Anyway, so it was just so cool. And, and they, I mean, they're out there racing. And then you see the other car out there and Beckett is Beckett. Where's Beckett? Is Beckett here? Beckett, Beckett, stand up, bud. This, this kid, I just want you to listen. This kid just graduated from high school. He's a fourth generation racing and one of the things he told me is, and I love it, if you look on it, Celebrate Community Church, right there in the hood. Um, I love that. If you look at the sprint cars, you've got, you've got Celebrate right there in the church. I just love this stuff. You can go ahead and sit down, brother. But what I love about it 
is one of the things he told me, he says, man, I love to race. I love it. It's in my blood. He said, if I'm going to be out there race, I just will tell them about Jesus. And so I just love that. He's an 18 year old kid. And that's the way, that's the way, that's the way Matt is too in this whole thing. They just want it to be a ministry. They're out there. We want anybody to know the race. We're going to help you get your cars on the track. You need a part, come to our trailer. We just want to love on people. It's a ministry and the kids are having fun. And so, uh, of course, then I showed my wife the video. You'll love this. I showed my wife the video, and she goes, I want to do that. So um, get my wife out there bumping with those seven, eight-year-olds. That'll be be beautiful. So, uh, but uh, she wants to climb in and try it. She loves that kind of stuff. So I I just love the fact that this is about ministry, and that's what church is about, It's not just weekend, it's every one of you, God has given you a gift and a passion. He wants to use that for his glory, wherever you're at. And so one of the things I want you to do, if when you get out there, I want want you to go out and touch those cars. I want you to meet the drivers. I want you to meet the families. And, And I want you to pray over them. You can stop and pray out loud if you want. You just touch it and say a prayer that God will not only keep them safe and all of those drivers safe, right? I don't want to see anybody ever get hurt but that somehow God would do something just unbelievable and sweep through the pits and the back places and all of those conversations. Imagine that, lives getting changed because people are out there doing what they love. And so I I hope you'll do that. On Beckett's car, in the front bumper, we're asking you, there's there's markers out there, we're asking you to write your favorite verse. Just write your favorite verse because we want the word of God, what, to lead out front, right? But, But Friday, he started back at 9th and uh, it was raining, as some of you know, it was raining, so the track conditions, they wouldn't even let him hot lap to check it out. So he gets out there and moves up from ninth to fifth. The other's great. So he's looking at four cars' butts, now they're looking at his, I love it. And they bump a lot, those kind of things. So how cool it is if we just bump people with God's words, bam, hey, we're here, bam, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and watch God just, I, I get so excited. So please do that and just love on them. Touch the cars, pray for them. Because God's going to do something really, really cool. And I'm really excited. So thank you, all of you. I just love it. I just think it's so cool. Just great. <clears throat> How many here would like to hear some good news? Okay, couple. Okay, here it is. God loves you just the way you are. So I don't, I don't know what your week was like. I don't know if you reacted in a moment. You wish you could do it a little bit different. Don't know if you let your eyes see some things you shouldn't have let them see. Don't know if you were in conversations you shouldn't have been a part of. I'm going to say this again. In all of that, God still loves you right now just the way you are. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. And there's nothing you'll ever do to make him love you anymore. God loves you. That's good news, right? Okay. Anybody here want greater news? Oh, come on. This, this is that. You're like, it gets better than that. Oh, it does. I'll say it again. God loves you just the way you are. Here's the greater news. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. That, that might be the issue. Because I'm, I'm starting to wonder if some of God's people just want, oh, God, why don't you just love me the way I am and I'll just stay that way. It's like, are you kidding me? But I'm starting to think there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians who actually believe and think that way. And folks, that's not what the Bible says. 
God has so much more for anything that we could ever dream, think, or imagine. He's not done. I don't don't care where you're at in your life. Every day you get up with Jesus, you just getting started. He's got so much more. Now, if you got your notes, take them out. This isn't in your notes. Real quickly, I want to say this again. I want you to write these down. I want to tell you two key things of what I just said. Here's the first one. God wants you to grow. God wants you to grow. Did you know that? The Bible says that. And and we'll be in Ephesians just a minute. But in 2 Corinthians 3, here's what it says. As God's spirit works within us. See, that's what happens when you give your life to Jesus. You're emptying yourself, dying to self. God's going to fill you with his presence. God wants to grow you. That's what the Bible says. As God's spirit works within us, he's working within us, we're being transformed. God wants you to be like Jesus. That's what it says, that we become more and more like Christ. But then he says this, these changes, these changes from one degree of glory to another comes from who? The Lord. You can't fabricate it by yourself, folks. You can't microwave Christ. It doesn't work that way, all right? If God is working within us, listen very carefully. If God is working within us, I'll bet he knows our capacity better than we do. And if I could say it this way, therefore, whatever you think is good enough is not God enough because he's continuing to work on you. I'm not talking about working your way for salvation. I'm telling you, as you and I really walk in Jesus, he's going to do things that will blow your mind. He wants to grow you. He wants to grow you, right? But here's the second thing I want you to write somewhere in your notes. So if God wants to grow us, you better get this because this is what we're going to talk about. This work that God does is always gradual. I'll say it again. You can't microwave. There's no instant oatmeal when it comes to Jesus. And there lies the problem. Because we live in a world that likes to microwave everything. We, We don't like working at anything. It's part of the reason why so many New Year's resolutions fall so short in such a short period of time. We want the results now. This is how we think. Want it. Bam. Come on. And God doesn't work that way. God just doesn't work that way. He won't work that way. In fact, that Bible verse in 2 Corinthians, if you read it in the message translation, here's what it says. Our lives gradually become brighter and brighter and brighter. It's why I love these classes. I also know it's why a lot of people in the church haven't taken them yet. Because they ask, when are they? Well, we do it multiple times, but for a while we were just doing them on Tuesday night. Well, it's Tuesday night. How long is it? Eight weeks. How long is the class? It's three hours. Oh. I, I'm, I just wonder if God loves that. We're going to be in his word. Oh. But three hours at a football game or a basketball game, well, okay. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable what the devil does. How he, he spins things. And we miss what really can happen in our lives. And then we wonder why we struggle the way we do. God doesn't want to instant anything. But that's what our world wants, right? 
And we get caught into that. Let me tell you something I don't like anymore. You ever heard the word devotional? Oh, I just don't like that word. I've become to actually really, ah. Because we microwave it. Do you have a devotional time with God? And we buy this little thing, has one little verse or two little verses, and then there's a little story, and we're like, whoa. I just, I just, I have to ask this question and I don't want you to answer. I'm just giving you something to think about. If you didn't spend time with God today, please tell me what is more important than that. See, none of you in this room are busy. That's not biblical. You're not busy. Because when you're doing what God wants you to do, he will always give you all the time you need to get it done. And if you think you need more time, it's, it's because you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Or you're doing something, you're just doing it wrong. And we can help with that. No one's busy, but that's what the devil wants. Because if he can get your schedule filled up with things of the world, it'll keep you out of the word. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He didn't want you in the word. He doesn't want you in the word because the word is living and powerful. It will change you. Amen. So he wants you in the world, which will also change you, but not for the better. And so God wants to grow us. We need to spend time with the Lord every day. There's nothing more important than that. What's more important than that? I had one guy who said, you don't understand. We're working on a multi-million dollar transaction. I'm like, woohoo. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure you can't take that multi-million dollar transaction with you. But that's what the devil wants. So we're in a series for the next two months talking about what it really means to grow and how to do it. Practical principles that we would become mature in Christ because that's what matters. That's the stuff that matters and why I love these classes. And so... This June, July, and August, just one day each month, it's a Saturday for eight hours. In June, Dr. Joanne Lyons is going to be here. In July, Dr. Mark Orbet's going to be here. And then in August, uh, I'll be here. And we're going to teach this. And, and you, can, you can take it for credit or you can take it for non-credit. But we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a Wesleyan church? What does the Wesleyans really believe? Because that's what we are. It might say celebrate community church, but we're, we're a Wesleyan church. And I love being a Wesleyan church. I love what the Wesleyans believe. I love what John Wesley stood for. And it'd be important for you to know those things. And you're going to learn our history, what it was really all about, how the denomination started. And, and it's just beautiful. It's an incredible story. And so I just encourage you to take it out. That's what these cards are for. You can just check it out. Those things this fall, we're going to be teaching the Old Testament. But I will here to tell you this. You know how you change your marriage? Get in the Word of God. You know how to grow your family? Be in the Word of God. The Word of God is the key to everything. If you don't know the Word, anything else really ain't going to matter, folks. And so we need to be in the Word of God, and we'll help you with that. And so I just encourage you to take that out, check it out. So we're going to look at, in Ephesians, we're not going to go through the passage, we're not going to read it, if you will, from verse to verse, but I'm going to, I'm going to show you some verses in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, take it out, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at, in a message I've entitled, Making the hard change. How do we make the hard change? Because changing in Christ in this world of microwaves 
It's not always that easy. And I want to tell you, I get that. People go, oh, it's so hard. I okay, I get it, got it. But anything worthwhile requires work, hard work, investment, but it's priceless. And the fruit, and God will not renege on that. So I want to look at several five, if you will, strategic elements that the Holy Spirit inside you will use to help us become more spiritually mature. Y'all ready for this? But the first thing I want to do real quickly is I want to tell you why it's so hard to change, okay? So if you got your notes, take it out. Here's the first one. We've been defective a long time. Can we just admit it? Folks, it's taken me a lot of years to get this messed up, all right? And the same is true for you. None of us got this way overnight. We've developed patterns. We've developed habits, things that are not pleasing to God. Hang-ups that have become nature to us. And that's why it takes time. It's just going to take time. That isn't going to change overnight. Here's number two. These defects, they've become our identity. That's another. For instance, have you ever heard someone say, well, I'm just a workaholic. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but a lot of you probably raise your hand. You ready for this? That's not in the Bible. That's a bad habit you've, you've developed. Just being up front with you. I'll show you why. You ever heard this? I'm just a timid person. I've always been an overeater. It's in our family. You ever heard this? It's just the way I am. Every one of those are self-defeating prophecies. And they're not who you are. Listen to this. You and I are supposed to be who he says we are. There's nowhere in the Bible that God says, well, I made him a workaholic at the expense of what? See, we become what we keep telling ourselves. And when we choose to believe it, we're becoming something we're not. So to change that, we've got to re-get our thinking different, don't we? We've got to rethink of what God says. Here's number three. Every defect has a payoff or you wouldn't be doing it. See, whatever you repeat, you're actually rewarding. And you've got to start looking God, why am I doing that? There is a payoff. I, I remember when, when I was a youth pastor, I've said this to you before, some of you knew have not heard this, but when I was a youth pastor, parents would come up and say, tell the, tell the kids that sex is bad. I'm like, I ain't gonna lie to them, it's awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> they wouldn't be doing it if it was like rotating your toenail, you know what I mean? They wouldn't do that. True? Because in the temporary, it's a great payoff. So then there's that shame and guilt, which by the way, guilt's a beautiful thing sometimes. Sometimes that's the Holy Spirit saying, whoa, ho, ho. But you don't want to keep doing it that you grow numb to that. But there's a payoff. So we have to change the behavior and reward something different. Here's the final one. Folks, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. Satan doesn't go away quietly, my goodness. We're in a battle. That's why we need to learn some battle tactics and that takes time. It takes discipline. It's those things we have to start putting into play. Church, listen, I don't have any enemies but one. See, there's a, 
There's an election coming up. And I want you to catch this. If you're a Republican in the room, the Democrats are not your enemy. If you're a Democrat in the room, the Republicans are not your enemy. You're fighting the wrong battle and you're given time that the devil wants you to give to all the wrong places. I only have one and his name is Satan. But please hear this. But I wake up every day. You know why? Because my God already defeated him. I walk in victory, not a victim, folks. I walk in victory, not a victim. And so I want to give you five principles, strategic principles to spiritual growth and maturity. And these are principles of making the hard change. So if you got your notes, here we go. And we're going to be looking in Ephesians 4. Here's the first one. Real change begins with a new way of thinking. Say it with me nice and loud. Real change begins with a new way of thinking. See, the way you think affects the way you feel. And the way you feel affects the way you are, the way you live. If you want to change the way you act, you start by changing the way you think. In fact, write this down. Change your mind, change your life. Write it down. Change your mind, you change your life because every battle you face, do not miss this, everything in life, every battle you face is either lost or won in the mind. Proverbs 23 verse seven says this, as a man thinks, so he is. As a man thinks, Ephesians 4, look at verse 23. There must be, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You got to let the spirit of God change the way you think. Time Life has a book out called the Complete Fix-It Yourself Manual. Anybody ever have a copy of that? It's 448 exhausted pages. No kidding, you ought to get it. It's literally... Everything you need to do, everything in your life, you can fix it yourself. From plumbing and heating to small engines, from removing a tooth to taking out your own gallbladder. (laughs) Okay, it's okay. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything about removing a tooth. But but one one of the things that's not in there, 448 pages, one of the things that's not in there and you'll never find in there, you know what it is? How to transform your life. That you're going to have to go to God's time life book. If you want to fix this, it's going to require something other than anything outside you. You got to let the spirit of God start changing the way you think. Romans 12 says this, do not conform to the values and the opinions of the world. Notice this, this is in the Bible. Do not Conform to the values and the opinions of this world. Instead, let who? God transform you by teaching you, teaching you the right and true way to think. If you want to be transformed by God, you ready for this? You cannot be conformed by the world. You can't. Just can't do it. In fact, in 1942, he was a composer. His name was L. Tabor. Anybody know who that is? All right, I won't tell you. Okay. He was entertaining Canadian troops during the war when he was stationed in London. 
he wrote a fun little song that they all seem to enjoy called The Hokey Pokey. <laughs> it's true. Anybody know it? Yeah. All right. When he died, it took three days to bury him because he kept putting his right foot in. And then, <laughs> so bad. So bad. But, but, but. I wonder if when it comes to you and your relationship with Christ, it takes a long time for God to let you die to yourself because you put one foot on the weekend and a different foot in the week. Different on Sunday with these people, different with my friends on Friday night. And let me tell you what the word says. You can't have two masters. In fact, here's how he describes it. You'll either cling to the one and hate the other. Can't have two. There's no such thing as a weekend Christian. You either are one or you're not. See, that takes time when we start realizing, wow, I need the word of God to change the way I think. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. What the world calls smart, God calls what? Stupid. Stupid. I've heard so many people, well, they're so smart. They don't know God. They're not his word. Stupid. The thinking of this world is stupid to God. Why do you keep buying into it? I'm the one who made it. That's why we need to be in the word. We need to change our thinking. Let me give you a little secret. Whatever the world says, think the opposite. In other words, whatever the world thinks about money, think the opposite. Whatever the world thinks about sex, think the opposite. Whatever the world says about status, think the opposite. Folks, that's an incredible rule of thumb. Here's number two, ties into it. If we're gonna change the way we think, well, real change requires then learning God's truth. Say that with me nice and loud. Real change requires learning God's truth. You ready for this? Because God's truth is real truth and the only truth. This is an amazing, unbelievable letter, folks. The Bible's beautiful. In fact, write this down, four letters. G-I-G-O. Just write it down. And you finish it. Garbage in. Good in. God in. That's what Jesus meant in John when he said, when you know this truth, this truth will set you free. And yet I know so many people who call themselves Christians who live according to the lie of the world. Their mind is so filled with lies. See, I'm going I'm to help you with it, okay? Catch this. Behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie I chose to believe. It's true. Behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie you chose to believe as truth. 
Let me give you an example. I'm sexually active outside of marriage. That's the behavior. Can I tell you what the lie is? I'm not fully loved by God. That's why you do it. Because he's, I, I just don't really believe he fully loves me, so I need to look for love in all the wrong places. I need to try to make them love me. Here, here's another one. I don't tithe. I love this one. I love bringing it up because I have so many people that come up to me and go, well, I don't believe that's what it says. I'm like, what verse in the Bible do you use? And they never can give me one. Do you know why? That's the behavior. You know what the lie is? God won't provide. That's the point. We can't afford. That's the point. That's why God wants to show you what he can do. And the reason you can't afford it is because he already knows you're not really good with money. You can do what you want with it. Here's another one, okay? I don't read the Bible. And here's the two ones I always hear. Here's the lie. I don't have time and I don't understand it. That's why behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie. That's why we need to be in the truth. So we start learning real truth, God's truth. See, the secret to personal change is not willpower. It's not pill power, okay? The secret to personal change is knowing and applying God's word, real truth. Ephesians 4, if you got your Bibles, look at verse 14 says, if we spend time in the word of God, if we spend time soaking our minds with the truth, then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because somebody's told us something different or made a lie sound like the truth. This is in the Bible. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. Can I get an amen? Come on. Here's number three. This one will get a little more personal. I'm smiling when I say it. Real change requires cleaning my house. Do not look at your wife and do not, do not look at your husband, okay? All right? Because that's not what I'm talking about. Anybody ever seen the television show called Hoarders? Come on, come on. Anybody see it? I want to see a show of hands, okay? All right, okay. Does anybody know somebody that should be on that show? Do not look at them, okay? All right? But if you've not seen it, I will guarantee you when you do, you'll think what I thought and everybody else who's seen it. How in the world do they live? Anybody, would you agree with that? How much greater is your emotional, intellectual, and spiritual lives? You're like a hoarder. You hold all those moments that someone hurt you. You just hold on to it. You hold on to all that guilt where you made a decision. You just beat yourself up all the time. Oh, I, I'm just, oh, oh, why do I keep, why do, you're hoarding. No wonder you struggle in how you live. You're holding on to stuff. You need to clean it out, but then there's things you're doing. You, we got to clean some house. We got to get rid of it, Right? We all know if you want a healthy body, there might be some junk food you need to stop eating. 
If you want a healthy mind, you might need to unsubscribe to some magazine, block some channels, get rid of cable, put covenant eyes in your computer. If you want a healthy schedule, you may have to eliminate some less important activities. If you want a healthy relationship, you may need to cut out certain destructive, negative people you've been hanging around. Ephesians 4, look what it says. Get rid of your old self. Get rid of it. That's hard work, but you got to do it. Get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to. That old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. You got to get rid of those things. You don't need to have a garage sale. Please hear this. You don't give them to somebody else for 25 cents. Get rid of them. Throw them in the garbage. Get rid of it. Some people go, I couldn't live without a television. You're going to die with it. There's so many things. Just get rid of it. You just got to get rid of it. Guys, I am, I'm your senior pastor. I've been doing it for 23 years. I don't have any internet on my, on my phone. If you're with me and say, hey, Google that, I can't. I have no internet on my phone. I just don't want to go there. My computer is navigated and watched 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If I go to somewhere I shouldn't go to, I have a buddy who's in this room right now, knows exactly where I went. I'm just not going there. Because why? Because in my past, I'd been there way too many times. Because I thought I could do it myself. And that'll lead me. That will lead me to the next one, but I want to say this. As a blind person needs a seeing eye dog, we all need seeing eye friends, and that's number four. Real change requires honest community. You can't grow alone, folks. You can't grow alone. There are some things in your life God will not allow you to change just with he and you. There are some things that God's going to require other people in your life because we all need it. That's why I have an accountability partner. Dr. Craig Uthi is an accountability partner for it. It's so important that I spend time with him. And we talk about our marriage. We talk about those intimate things because I got to have that in my life. Look at Ephesians 4 verse 25 says, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. Now he's not talking about proximity here. The word neighbor isn't the person that just moved in next door. He's talking about personal, a deep relationship. You know why I know that? Because I looked it up in the Greek. But not only that, because watch the very next line. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. We're connected. He says this, so if you lie to each other, you end up lying to yourself. Can I show you what he's talking about? He's not talking about walking up to somebody, okay, and walking up to my buddy Andre, and Andre goes, how you doing? Man, I just lifted 4,000 pounds over my head, <laughs> all right? That'd be a lie, okay? He probably did, all right? But, but my point is, that would be a lie. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about where Andre comes up to me and says, how's your marriage doing today, Keith? Oh, it's great even though we just filed for divorce. And the only reason I didn't tell him that, pride. And pride goes before the fall. 
He's talking about having a relationship with somebody where you can be real and say, I'm really struggling here. I was looking at some stuff last night I shouldn't have been looking at. Just being honest. I was doing some things I shouldn't have been doing. That's what he's talking about here. Honest community. God, people in your life who really are for you. They're not judging you. They're going to walk with you. They're going to battle with you. Amen to that? See, if you're serious about changing things in your life, if you're serious about growing in Christ, if you're serious about removing some of the defects, the weaknesses, and the things that need to change, you're going to need the help of others. God others. Here's number five, and I invite the team out. Real change requires faith. Say that with me. Real change requires faith. Let me explain. You have to really believe that God can bring about what needs to be brought about. The Bible says you want to please God, it requires faith. Absolute faith. But God, I don't get it, but I know you got it. I can't even see it. I can't even fathom it. But I know you're for me. See, that's one thing. I know a lot of people, oh, I believe in God. Do you? Do you? You okay if God allows some really crazy, bad, ugly things to go around your life? Like you did with Job? Will you hang on to him? Even though you don't get it? You don't understand it? No matter what. I've had to deal that as your pastor for 23 years. Things I don't understand at all. But I know he does. And it's taken time. I wasn't there when I first moved here 34 years ago. Or 30, when I was 34, 23 years ago. Man, I'm telling you, the guy standing here and sitting here right now is not the guy that moved here. God's gradual work in my life. Hmm. I sometimes feel like I could storm hell with a squirt gun. I'm here to tell you, if I was out well hunting, I'm taking a lot of tartar sauce. You know what I mean? I just think God wants to do something crazy cool. And he's got it. That's faith. Repeat after me. I can't. But God can. You really believe that? You really believe it? Because if you don't, he won't. Because the Bible says in Matthew 9, according to your faith, it will be done. I know what I can do, God says. The question is, what do you believe I can do? I want those people. See, that's what Paul wrote in Ephesians 3 when he said, now by his mighty power, not by mine, Paul said, but by his mighty power working within us, working within me, God is able to do far more than we'd ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers. Think about that. Think of your prayers and God's like infinitely beyond that. Or your desires, your thoughts, or your hopes. You want to change your life? You got to start with your mind. You've got to let the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, begin to show you what real truth is. That's why I believe that if every one of our church people, if this fall, I'm going to be teaching on the Old Testament, it'll change you. Not because of who the teacher is, because the one who wrote it. The Word of God is amazing. I'm more in love with it than I've ever been. 
Absolutely crazy, the Word of God. You get into the Word every day. Your thinking begins to change. You start to see things as God sees and understand. But there's some house cleaning. Some of you in this room, there's some things you got to go, I got, this got to change. Some of you have been isolated and you need to get into a life group. But it's not a death group. It's not where you sit around and go, how's the kids? That's not, that's not a life group. Life group is when you get into the word of God, you open it up and you start studying it and asking the hard questions and you let everybody in the group start helping grow you and keep you accountable and let them love on you. But then you got to believe yeah, God and it will grow. It will all grow in you. Do these principles work? Can real change happen? Ask Monty Gannon. 15 years ago, he didn't even know Jesus Christ and he's down in Omaha planting a church. All these principles work, folks. You better believe it. Do these principles work? Ask John, Josh Tangeman. Josh will tell you what it's like to have a marriage that struggles and relationship and those things. Well, Josh opened up his home and started a life group that turned into a church and in this fall it will become a full-fledged church in Sibley, Iowa and he's pastoring it. It works. Ask Deborah Walsh. Ask Deborah Walsh. She's now in our lead of all of our kids' environments, our preschool that's going to be opening this fall, our daycare. She's amazing. Ask her. Here's the last one. There's so many I could give you but ask Caleb Koss. It was one of our at the movies when Caleb was sitting in here and it just changed his life. He started coming. Today he's married. Some of you might remember when he actually proposed to his wife on stage. He's got a little girl now. It's just beautiful. But ask him, because this fall he's moving to Celebration Florida and he's starting a brand new church. By the way, you'll be able to ask him because he's going to share the stage with me and preach next week. These principles work, folks. They work. God's work done God's way never lacks God's support. Amen. Amen. Father, I'm excited about this series of just being in your word. God, we need to learn some things and might be some people in this room right now going, oh my, I don't even know where to begin. God, I pray that they'd open up to the book of Colossians, Paul's letter, or the book of Ephesians. They go to the gospel of Mark. Those are wonderful places to start. The book of Philippians. Just get in it. We have so many tools. Every one of those books, I've done a Bible study verse by verse that they can watch and write notes. Just get into it. Get into the Word. And watch you start changing, gradually changing us into the likeness of you. Oh, these work. As we stay the course, and as Paul said, fight this good fight. It's worth fighting because you're a victorious God. You won't fail us. You won't forsake us. God, we need to be changing our thinking by being in the word. There's some house cleaning that we need to do, and you know what those are. We need to pray as David, God, search my heart and show me, and you will. Not in a judgmental way, but in a way that, again, gradually making us like Jesus. We need others, but we got to believe. And our world will never be the same. Our personal world will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone says,
Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.